1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Howdy, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. We are here again talking about Blizzard Entertainment and its mini games. I am joined, as always, by my fantastic co-hosts, uh, Liz Harper, the EIC and General Grand High Puba of the site, and Joe Perez, who is beloved by Reddit. Um, hi, guys. How you doing?
0: <laughs> Hello.
2: Hey,
3: and to be fair, it's more you than me. The, your, oh, that's you're...
2: not what I uh, I went and looked, my friend, and I saw lots of Joe love. <clears throat> anyway, though, we should start talking about, I think, possibly the most important story that we didn't really get to talk about last week because it sort of happened after the podcast. Um, Activision Blizzard is now apparently cleared the legal hurdles put up by regulatory agencies for its merger with, with uh, Microsoft. I shouldn't say it's merger with Microsoft. It's acquisition acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Microsoft isn't becoming part of them. It's eating them. It's like, you know, but regardless that that's all out of the way. Now they finally have clearance. I don't know if they do in Britain. I, I was, Yeah, I mean, in that was, Britain, they that, still,
0: was uh, yeah. that was the regulatory hurdle that they got past. They got yeah, the, the last regulators one was, to. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: So, it, there's everything's out of the way They're they're going through with it um and there's lots to talk about um one of the things to talk about is the fact that you know there's sort of a, a monkey's paw-esque quality to some of the wishes <laughs> here like bobby kodik is finally gone as i hoped unfortunately i wished on this monkey's paw so he's going to be ridiculously wealthy
3: he's going to buy um, a yacht for his yacht that already has a yacht again yeah
2: i mean when we say ridiculously yeah. wealthy robert kodik might very well be a billionaire by 2024 that's how wealthy we are talking about when we say ridiculously wealthy. And then he's almost certain to get a job at some other big company, possibly not even in gaming, possibly not even in computers. Or they will pay him even more ridiculously high amounts of money. Hey, I
3: hear, uh, I hear. Unity CEO stepped down. Maybe he'll go over there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh God! How can how can Robert Kodak bring his special brand of evil to you? But regardless, oh, boy. he will be gone. Um, I,
0: I suppose we should maybe clarify that he is leaving the company after this year. So we yeah. only have a few more months to put up with him. Was it twenty twenty four? He's leaving. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is it like at the end of twenty
2: twenty four? The deal.
0: No. No. At the at the end of 2023, he will yeah, not the, be here in 2024.
3: The deal was the end of the year in which the merger ended or was com- was completed. So the okay. merger is completed now within 2023. So Liz is correct in all things.
2: Okay. So that's great. I mean, but again, he will be leaving with a, with a ridiculous amount of money. Mm. And he will be leaving effectively never having experienced any real consequences for all the things he did or allowed to happen, which is certainly not something that I think is great. Um, Not just the things like, like, you know, threatening to destroy the life of a, of a woman who worked for him directly Uh, that, that, you know, when we talk about the various, various harassment scandals, sexual harassment, gender harassment, all sorts um there certainly is something special about the fact that the guy defending all of it was a guy who had once threatened to destroy a person's life in, in a in a tech in a like recorded message he left on her like not answering machine but voicemail. Listen uh, so.
3: I don't say this often, but I hope that somewhere in a deep, dark alley in uh Mr. Kodak's life post blizzard that he's introduced to two individuals named consequences and actions uh and is made to feel the brunt of the pain that he's caused to other people because
2: yeah yeah but, but that does not appear to be this day
3: not today but hopefully in the future
2: liz you were gonna say something i heard you
0: <sighs> that's 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 pretty much all i have to say about bobby Kodak. <laughs> but i mean
2: i'm gonna just i'm gonna do something that's unusual for this site i'm gonna actually take an email question that we were asked i'm gonna move it up mm. to here because it's really deserves to be in part of this discussion um since the merger completed this morning, I've had three friends reach out to me and ask... This is from Tetsemi, by the way. I'm sorry. I forgot to say your name. It's from Tetsemi. I've had three friends reach out to me and ask, with Codex Bleep heading out the door, is it a good time to come back to Blizzard games? And WoW in particular. Uh, I, I am going to let Joe and Liz talk about that first before I jump in. Um, I'm going to go start with jo- with Liz. So if you don't mind, Liz. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think it's a good time to be playing WoW, in particular playing WoW, because, you know, the game has a more diverse cast of creators than we've ever seen. They've gotten rid of a lot of people since the sexual harassment lawsuit, and Dragonflight has taken kind of a different angle. There's this hugely diverse cast of characters, and when Blizzard is talking about the game, we're seeing more women and minorities kind of taking center stage to talk and express their enthusiasm about the game. I'm not saying things are perfect over there, but they've tried, you can tell, you can tell that they've tried really hard to branch out and do more and different stories. And they've definitely put a big effort in, you know, putting female content creators, putting female developers up on the stage where they can talk about the games they love and what they're working on. I think that's been really great. But I don't think you come back to Blizzard games just because Bobby Kodak has left. And I don't think you assume that because Bobby Kodak has left, that everything's fine now. Because it's not. The problems at Blizzard started before he was in charge. And they will continue after he's gone. I mean, just because he's out the door does not mean that suddenly it's going to be completely perfect. Just because Microsoft is buying the company does not mean every problem is going to be solved. Mm-hmm. It's a huge cultural problem at the company that has been allowed to continue and fester for decades
2: and it's not just a, a company either it's it's in the yeah. industry yeah. so yes bobby let us not be unhappy to see the, the tail end of bobby kodig i i think that we should all at least hold aloft a, a glass and say Kalu mm-hmm. you know we can chortle in <laughs> our joy but don't don't make mistake this for you know this isn't the end. We're not like, and then evil was defeated. I mean, no, no, evil wasn't defeated. One particularly onerous human being has decided of his own accord to leave when it is the most profitable for him to do so.
0: Mm.
2: And that's, yeah. Also, as much as Bobby Kodak is a terrible person, a lot of this stuff wasn't necessarily even on him, not just because he wasn't yeah. in charge when some of it happened, even stuff that happened while he was in charge. Nobody told him about it. He did, you know, no one called up Mr. Kodak and said, Hey, we're going to call it the Cosby room. Is that all right? You know, he didn't, uh-huh. yeah, it, it, he didn't have any interaction with these decisions. It doesn't make him a, you know, a, a shiny knight of goodness. It just means that the people that made those decisions at best made the decisions, knowing he didn't care. And in order for it to get better, they, there can't be people there making decisions like that thinking well if i do something awful no one will care that can't be there and that's not just you don't just replace bobby kodak and you're done you know it's yeah yeah i totally agree with us on that one uh anything else
0: i'm just i'm i'm really concerned that because kodak is out you know the gaming community is going to assume victory victory we got rid of bobby kodak yay everything (laughs) is good and happy and it's like no, this is this is one one thing, one good positive thing, but there are lots of things wrong in the gaming industry. There have been a lot of things wrong at Blizzard for many, many years, and you've got to see them, see the industry work on improving. We can't let them off the hook just because they finally got rid of Bobby Kotick.
3: Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like, I'm going to make a sports analogy here. Sports teams have the biggest support whenever they're winning, Right. And the minute something goes wrong, everybody, like most folks, uh, look for a single individual to blame. In Buffalo, it's always the quarterback or the head coach, right? It's, you know, we're the best team ever, and we're going to go all the way to the Super Bowl. We lost one game. Fire the coach. Like we have this tendency as humans to sort of like try to find the silver bullet to blame things on for whatever reason whether it's justification internally or or something like that and i know a lot of people that are looking at the bobby Kodak situation like that they're like well this will fix everything and microsoft's gonna save the day just like you pointed out and it's like it's not how that works these problems have existed long before the public publication publicization of all of them uh and has existed not just at blizzard but every company and You know, these have been an ongoing battle for people that have been fighting this and that they've been doing this for longer than most folks are aware. And it is a victory that Kodak is gone, but it's not a a, a pure victory, right? It's, it's, It's a victory where he's getting to go on in his own terms and he's going to be loaded rich as a result of it. And it's not because he was a bad person that got held accountable for the bad things he did. And we see that with a lot of people as well that left Blizzard that, you know, their involvement was questionable or was bad. Uh, and some of them got to leave on their own terms. And where did they go? Other game companies maybe started their own. Like it's something that we need to still be vigilant about period. It's, it doesn't just go away with this one win that yeah, if you said,
2: want, if you want to, before you go on, George, you want to mention this. The, I find it really disturbing that people keep acting like Microsoft is some sainted group of superheroes come to save mm-hmm. us. If you want to know what Microsoft can be like as an employer, ask the people at 343 Industries. Yeah. They developed the Halo games. They have some stories for you. Or Stories uh, will not make you feel happy about, you know, Microsoft.
3: Or go ask current Wizards employees how they feel about the management team that came over from Microsoft Teams that are now yeah. in charge of their, their endeavors.
2: Yeah, there's there's a lot going on in the industry and in specific companies. Microsoft is not your friend come to save you. Now... Um, and,
3: Go ahead, Yo. I was going to say, the thing that I will say as far as the part about coming back to the game, these are decisions that only you can make. And we talked about this at the very beginning, and we've talked about this a lot of times on the podcast about it is ultimately your choice what you choose to do with your time and, and money. But at the end of the day, if you don't play these games, you're not hurting the executives, right? It's more going to have an impact on the teams that produce those games than anything else. And so, like, when people used to question me about why I was continuing to play WoW, and I know, Matt, I think you got a bunch of those questions, too. Um, And, you know, the answer was always, I choose to do this, one, because I still enjoy the game itself, and two, because I want to support my friends that I know still work there and are working on this product. I want to make sure that at the end of the day, some executive sitting in their ivory tower doesn't look at it and say, well, engagements down fire 20% of the staff. Let's go. Like I, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a double edged sword. Right. Um,
2: but at the end of the day, only you can decide. Yeah, absolutely. It's a decision everybody has to make for themselves. Um, you have to look at your conscience. I actually really struggled with it and I'm going to make an admission here that doesn't, doesn't really paint me in a positive light. And I am aware of this. If, diablo 4 hadn't been in the pipeline at that point i don't know that i would have stuck around but i've been waiting for diablo 4 for half my life um at least uh, since 2012 when diablo 3 came out and left me with all sorts of questions and all sorts of you know feelings um I, i wanted diablo 4 i remember when i went to blizzcon in 2019 before the pandemic and before we we got some of the more horrific um problems from blizzard uh they were existing, but we had they hadn't been publicized as much. I remember sitting in that theater when they played the opening for Diablo Four, the cinematic, and the room changed. Like there was a pop, like being at a sporting event when something amazing happens. And for a lot of people, this stuff's really important, and you don't you don't want to put games ahead of people. You don't want to put games ahead of the people who work on them or the people who suffered. But you, these are like the games are some of the ways I get through stuff. Like when I started to go blind mm-hmm. games are ho- how I got through it. When, when my friend Dougal died games are how I got through it. Um, Dougal and I both loved a lot of the same video games. So it, it, it is, it is always a personal decision. You always have to kind of make those decisions yourself and look at what's the situation is in this particular case. I didn't feel like, and I got this from people I knew who had left blizzard, mm-hmm. that doing stuff like just, getting rid of all my Blizzard games, not playing Blizzard games anymore, wasn't going to hurt anybody in, who was up in the C-suite. Yep. It was not going to affect them at all. It was going to hurt the people that were still there, still trying to make good games. So that's why I made the decision I did. In terms of going back, though, I think Liz is totally on the money in that whether or not you factor Kodak in at all, WoW in a good place right now. It's in an interesting place. It's in a place where the story is going places it never would have gone before. Yeah. And I think... I think that what she said is dead on and I wanted to reiterate it, um, while still giving her credit for it because she's the one who said it. <laughs> uh there's just this this feeling of anything can happen that we didn't have before. Um like Warlords of Draenor, I think I, I I I I gave people the entire plot of Warlords of Draenor before I'd actually even seen or heard anything other than what it that you know, they were going to Dranor and it was a different Draenor. And we we're gonna see all the war chiefs, the old horde. I pretty much nailed that entire plot down mm-hmm. in like five minutes because it simply wasn't that deep. It wasn't trying to be deep, it wasn't trying to do or say anything new. And I really do feel like in a lot of places, Dragonflight has tried to do new things that that are interesting. Are they all gonna hit and resonate with everybody? No, it's impossible. A game with this many people who have played it. It's never going to hit everybody, but I definitely feel like there are trying things that are new and unique, and that's why I am cautiously optimistic to see that continue, depending on what certain people who have returned recently to become creative directors do and say.
0: <sighs>
2: but do you guys have anything else to say about the merger and about that's the question that going asked before we move on?
3: I mean, I, I'm i just interested and we'll be watching what happens next.
2: Liz, are,
0: if you mm, want to sigh nope. again, you can. Uh, yeah that's all I that's 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 me done. All right.
2: We talked about that and that's good and proper. Uh we probably could talk about it more but we're going to move on to talk about some other things. Uh the first thing I want to talk about actually is that the Hearthstone expansion is was just recently announced. Um which I was surprised by. I kind of thought they'd wait till next month. But nope. Got an announcement for it. It's called Showdown in the Badlands. Am I am I correct here?
0: Uh you are. You are. It's um I, I'm also surprised that they, that they announced it right now. They did say in the announcement video that they're, they've got more surprises in store for BlizzCon, but it's like, okay, what, what can you do that's bigger than an expansion? Hmm, I, I don't know what they're going to do at BlizzCon now, but Hearthstone is, of all the Blizzard games, it's the one that's most on a set schedule. They are. They put out expansions like Clockwork, and this was kind of this was kind of the time. And all of their expansions have such cool themes. This one is set in the Badlands and uh, has a Wild West kind of theme. There are uh, you've got the uh, you've kind of got prospectors mining Azurite. It's kind of like a gold rush sort of situation they have going story wise. So some some people are out there you know mining as right and some people are there saying no you shouldn't you know mine as right and planet. destroy the planet it's the blood of the planet you can't just mine it and yeah so it has this particular conflict and half of the classes are going to be outlaws and half of the classes are going to be um lawmen? miners i don't know yet. no not lawmen it's like a
2: the Prospector thing you mentioned.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're doing the Prospector thing, and I can't recall what word they're using for that. But it is interesting because the Outlaws, like there's each each set has kind of some different gameplay mechanics. And uh, the Prospector classes have a an ability to excavate where certain cards will let you excavate and uh, you'll earn a legendary tre- treasure that you can play uh it's a random kind of treasure and the more times you excavate the more powerful treasures you'll get so you might want to build a deck that's kind of uh really going in on excavation and building up these legendary treasures that have these powerful effects it's it's a little random but you're you're counting on something that's going to be good that's going to help you out and
2: it's sort and of uh a- it's sort of like finally giving you a chance to build that co- that cobalt miner deck you've always wanted. <laughs> mm,
0: sure. Why not? And uh, on the outlaw side of things, they are really going in on the Highlander gameplay style, which is having a deck with no duplicate cards. Uh, a lot. They have a lot of cards that will trigger.
3: Highlander style. <laughs> I,
2: just, I love the guess, the fact that I took me a second, and I'm like, "Why is it called Highlander style?" Then my brain was uh-huh.
3: like, "There, there can, can be, be only, only one." one.
0: Yeah. yeah, there can be only one. Rest in uh, that, rest in peace, not-
3: Sheldon not- <laughs> <Millery>. <laughs> Uh
0: They Blizzard does not call it that. Just. Literally, everyone else calls it that. Yeah, everyone, um, in
2: card games in general, calls it that. Right? Yes, yeah, I know. Yes.
3: Well, and that's because yes. of, that so, literally is because of Sheldon Menery, who did just pass away, who was the creator of the Singleton format for Highlander.
0: Uh, so yes, Blizzard Blizzard calls it Singleton, and you know the time when they announced it today, they were talking about Singleton gameplay, and I'm like, what are you even talking about? And it's like, oh, they're talking about Highlander decks. Um, so it's cool. It has this interesting. Yeah, it, this interesting story and dynamic, it's kind of split the classes in half. So half of them are half of them are outlaws and half of them are on kind of this prospecting side. And uh, they each kind of have a different flavor and different abilities. So I think that's I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, but as always, I really wish there was more story to Hearthstone expansions because they come up with such cool themes, but they haven't been doing any single player story modes are really expanding on that, which, which makes me kind of sad. So I'm excited, but I'm also a little sad.
2: Alright, I feel like I should say something here, but I feel like also <laughs> you've, you've pretty much nailed it, so we can move on. Um, first off, I just wanted to mention really fast, uh, just because I don't think we said anything about it when we found out about it, because I think we found out about it until a couple days ago, um, but patch 10.2 is coming out on November 7th. Mm-hmm, uh, this is mm-hmm. for World of Warcraft, I should make that clear. <laughs> um, the, the patch is named Guardians of the Dream, and it's launching on November 7th, so if you've been wondering when is the next patch getting here, it's getting here in a month actually less than a month, like two weeks, three weeks at this point. It's so close. Yeah. I mean,
0: wow. Time. I would say
2: two weeks because my brain doesn't work very well, but I know that we have at least two more weeks in October this week and the next week. And then, yeah, so three <laughs> it's weeks. It's like three, three weeks. weeks. But So yeah, that's happening. Um, and it did, when that comes, we're going to get, several things are happening. Um, there's, a, there's a new Moonkin customization thing happening, Jeez. which I think is really interesting. I don't even play a Druid, but I like that the moonkin are finally getting to pick and choose and make You can be a roast chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you should, but you can. I, I can't stop you. Um there's also a new feral druid form uh, that I thought was really interesting. The Moonblessed Claw, I think it's called.
3: Moonblessed Claw.
2: And it's like a big white cat. Yeah, it's a white and blue cat with you know big blue eyes and lots of weird stuff coming up off of it. It's actually really neat looking. Um I will say that straight up. If I were playing a druid and and I do have one I just haven't played it in a while. Uh, I could seriously get into trying to catch that thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's really nice. It, it's it's nice that druids are getting specific things for this patch because it's such a druid well, related expansion in a way. And let's, not,
3: and let's not let's not undersell the uh the cat customization. It's a whole thing. Like you have to go and fill like a whole bunch of vials and go around and you're not just doing it in uh, you know the Dragon Isles. You have to go to the Eastern Kingdoms, Kalimdor, Outlands, Northrend, drainor the Broken Isles. Like you're going all over the place. And I like when customization and quests do that. That's really cool because it make one. It makes you feel like you earn it. And two, the barrier isn't like go into a raid and hope you get a drop. Right. Like it's it's a really neat way of doing it. So not only are they getting a cool customization, they're getting other things that have just kind of been like thrown out into the world that. Maybe weren't there before. At least the one I'm looking at here, where they can go in, you know, actually earn that customization, that skin, and that skin is really
2: rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. It's very nice.
0: <laughs> I mean, one thing about Patch 10.2 is obviously we're going to the Emerald Dream, and it's we're going all in on the Emerald Dream thing, and it was a little surprising that we weren't getting more druid specific content i mean obviously blizzard has to make content for everybody you can't just have a patch that's like okay druids get to do all this cool stuff and no one else does but like the legendary they're adding in patch 10.2 not a druid legendary it's it's for uh strength based melee dps which hmm, we've we've seen that one before Not that I'm complaining because I am potentially a strength-based melee DPS class myself, but it's like, you know, you kind of expected a little more that would be special for druids in this patch. So it's nice that they're getting something, but I really did expect a little extra.
2: Yeah, so it is... It is strange that there's not more, but maybe there is more, and we just don't know about it yet. At any rate, we do know about this stuff. Um, there's other stuff coming out. Like, for instance, we're going to get the whole new raid. We're going to get, like, a bunch of different talent changes, you know, balance run, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I wanted to get that mentioned because it seemed pretty important, and we didn't really get a chance to uh, last week. Because, again, I don't think we knew about this then. I think we knew it was coming, but we didn't know. Yeah, it,
0: we just got the announcement yesterday, So. so...
2: Uh, one, while we're talking about that though, I did want to mention a couple of things about Diablo four. Uh, first off right now, season two is live. Like uh, literally, if you're watching our pre-show, you can see my little baby level one character running (laughs) around the snowlands, uh, getting ready to kill some vampires later. Once they fix the whole deal where I can't, uh, currently, currently there is a bug where you can't use cross connectivity. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure how that will affect me because I usually play on my console and I just, putting the characters on here for the free show because you know, it's, that's just how I do it. So yeah, uh, that, that, that I don't know about yet, but when it gets ironed out, I will be playing on my TV to do stuff really big. Um, but regardless, the season, season two is live. You got the season of blood, um, all sorts of vampire stuff involved, you know, new vampire powers, everything like that. Um, also if you were playing season one and you're wondering, uh, what happens to all the stuff I got, uh, we have a post on the site about that. Uh, basically, when you log on, you can log on to the character that was previously your season character. There will be a withdraw only tab with all the stuff you put in, in your stash while you were doing this. Uh, so if you had a whole bunch of stuff that you didn't get, um, you don't want to like lose right away. You will have till the end of season two to go through that tab, say, OK, I don't really need this because I already have it on this other character, but I do need this. And you, you'll have that time to take it out of the, the withdrawal. only. So you won't, you don't lose things right away. You've got some time to figure out, oh, oh, wow. What do I do with all this stuff? Which I think is nice. I'm also assuming that the season only things like the, the, you know, hearts that we were all wearing around our fingers, those are just gone. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing that's, that's yeah. season unique will, will, will transfer into your, uh, into your stash. I haven't looked yet, but I'm assuming that that's So that's, that's thing number one. Uh, and I want to give both Liz and Joe a chance to talk about that one before we talk about things. Do you have any opinions about how season two is going to work? Uh, Joe? I do not. Okay, Liz? I
0: mean, I think season two already sounds a lot more engaging than season one. Because season one, you went in and you had these malignant hearts to collect. Most of the malignant hearts were not great. And you collected them without even trying to collect them. It's they were all over the place turn a corner and there's a malignant monster who drops their heart on the floor and then you have to cage it and fight them again. And it just wasn't that engaging because probably three-fourths of the malignant hearts I got, I just threw in the trash. They just weren't good. There was like maybe one good malignant heart of each type. And even then it was like, well, this is better than the other ones, I guess, maybe. So it just wasn't very exciting to engage with. It was just, okay, you have one new type of gem and most of them are bad and they aren't difficult to collect. They just show up. And uh, this season seems a lot meatier with, you know, Matt was talking about the new vampiric powers. We're fighting vampires, but we're also collecting... it's, It's kind of a whole new sort of gear talent system where you are... It reminds me a little bit of Azerite armor, which... I know not everyone is a fan of Azerite Armor. I'm screaming so
2: internally right now.
0: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I brought that up. It reminds me of Azerite Armor, but it's not Azerite Armor. It
2: reminds me more uh, of the corruption mechanic from the end of that expansion, honestly. Hmm. It doesn't really remind me of Azerite Armor.
0: Hmm. I mean you're collecting this different kinds of packed armor and you're there's kind of a new faction, you're gaining Not renowned, you're gaining reputation with, and I don't entirely grok how that's different at this point, but uh, there are so many moving pieces. You can select vampiric powers, but you can't have, you know, all of the vampiric powers all the time. Different kinds of gear will let you equip different kinds of, of vampiric powers. So you're collecting gear, you're collecting powers, you're combining this with your existing talent system. And it seems like there are so many, many, many moving pieces that you can put together in different ways and make completely new play styles out of these new things. And that's, what's really interesting to me. It seems like it unlocks a lot of possibilities where season one felt like, okay, I'm just, I just rolled a new character for no reason. And there are some new gyms and I don't even like them.
2: Okay. That's actually a pretty reasonable, uh, reasonable assessment of season one, in my opinion. Uh, So yeah, um, the other thing I, t- I found out today, which I thought was kind of weird, is that Diablo 4 is now available on Steam. Mm-hmm. I did not know that that was going to happen. Did When did you guys hear about this? Was this like a recent thing?
0: This was last week. They announced it in one of the uh, live streams about season two. But it's yeah. literally there now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like if you go to Steam, which I did, um, there it is. Diablo 4 on Steam. I'm like, wow. Okay. I can't wait to hear how disappointing the numbers are for people you know, actually playing the game on Steam, as is what you use Steam is usually used to do.
3: I don't know. There's 16,000 people or 17,000 people at the time of uh, this recording actively engaging with it according to the metrics.
2: Yeah, and that's good. I'm just usually when I hear it, it's usually people using it to prove something is dead. Um, <laughs> and I don't like that that tech that tendency people have um, i'm actually hopeful that you know it does well there i do think it's interesting though because will we see more of this as as we talked about the merger at the top of the hour and one of the reasons i wanted to talk about the merger at the top of the hour is this is an example of something that i think we might see more of because of it um,
3: it's a dangerous it's a dangerous thing though too is spreading as quickly as it is because um one of the things just diablo 4 at the time of this recording if you go on and look at the steam reviews a lot of them right now are it crashes because of the way that everything is integrated with uh, battle.net, right? Like it's it, there there's some cross shatter or something that isn't playing super nice right this second. Um, but I am, I do think we are going to see more uh, spread of blizzard IPS to other avenues of delivery. And I think overall, that's a good thing. Um, I think it gets it on into people's, you know, eyes and, and their, their sight line that maybe normally wouldn't. Uh, And overall it's just kind of healthy. And I think they already have uh, Microsoft executives kind of hinting at blizzard stuff, potentially showing up on Xbox or game pass stuff later on. I don't think they've outright said anything about it, but
2: um, yeah, they haven't, they, they did say that nothing that, you know, nothing that people currently knew about was going to go uh, to game pass anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, when when Diablo Four was announced, I mean that was one of the things they made a very good point about. Yeah, it's releasing in June. It's not going to be on Game Pass.
3: Yep. So. But other stuff, on the other hand, might be. The other thing I think was I'm one. I'm curious to see what will what secondary or tertiary things will make it onto other Microsoft stuff. Like it's if you maybe if you have you know Game Pass, you get X game time or something, or you get some reward unlocked or whatever the well, case. Overwatch
2: is, is there i mean you think overwatch should be like right there Mm -hmm. you know overwatch seems like it's a natural fit for it so we'll find out though yeah but right now you know we don't know anymore but i thought we should mention that um see if there's anything oh oh do have to mention this i i don't think there was no news about anything new involving amazon prime gaming Uh, i looked and didn't find anything but twitch twitch has got a big one um twitch is doing uh drop doing a twi- series of twitch drops for the season of blood starting today and going up until november 6th i believe it's yes. the last week that they're doing it which it ends then on a week after that on the 13th um and this one is the orcalcum collection i think it's called where there's like four different items that that each class has access to some of them um for example right now and until next week uh if you watch uh, i think it's six hours I didn't write that down. Why didn't I write that down? I wrote everything else down. (laughs) Uh, I think it's like you watch six hours of Diablo 4 uh, Season 2 stuff on Twitch. You can get rogues, necromancers, and sorcerers can get the one-handed blade cosmetic. Uh, I don't know why barbarians can't get that one because it's not like barbarians don't use one-handed blades, but whatever. Um, (laughs) The second week is barbarians and druids uh, who both get the Oracalica Mallet uh, cosmetic. Uh week 3 is barbarians and necromancers who get the oracalicum Greatsword cosmetic uh, and week 4 is just druids uh who get the oracalicum quarterstaff. So if you're a druid you get um two shots at at two different pieces of gear. If you're a barbarian same deal, two shots two different pieces of gear. Necromancers I'm thinking get two shots at two pieces of gear and rogues only get rogues and sorcerers only get one shot. Mm. They each only get one one piece of gear. So but that's yes. you know that's that's available via Twitch again every week they're switching so it's week one the sword for those three classes week two the hammer for for barbarians and druids week three necromancers and barbarians get a two-handed sword and week four uh, it-
1: there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. it's druids getting
2: a core staff, and that's you know it's it's watched the same amount uh each week as far as i know uh liz you were gonna say something
0: i mean it these these promotions it's great that you can go on and get free cosmetics but man they are so time intensive and it's when they this is the second time diablo 4 has done a promotion that's like okay watch six hours of live streaming for six weeks in a row or something like that. Yeah,
2: it is a lot of, if you want to collect more than one item, you're, you're going to be doing mm -hmm, this
0: a while. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's, it's just a lot. And I kind of, mm, I mean, I, I understand it's great for Twitch creators who get a lot of audience, get a lot of people watching when the season launches, but man, it's a commitment. Even if you just, you know, turn on the stream and like walk away from your computer. So you're racking up hours. It's, it's a lot.
2: You gotta set up that drinky bird. (laughs) Keep hitting the space bar for me, honey. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) But yeah, it it is a lot of time. I do not disagree with you on that one, but nevertheless, I wanted to mention it because it is a pretty big deal in terms of, this is a lot of cosmetics. Mm -hmm. This is, I think this is the biggest amount of cosmetics they've done for D4 in this way. And it is, if you think about it, it's free cosmetics. You don't have to pay for the platinum to buy this. You just get it. So, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. But that's basically, and I guess anything else we're supposed to talk about, Liz, You I know you added more stuff and I can't remember. Oh, oh. Hallow's End, Hallow's End. Okay.
0: <laughs> Hallow's End starts tomorrow on the 18th? It it does tomorrow as of the time of this recording. So October oh. 18th, Hallow's End and World of Warcraft.
2: And then it'll be going until the 1st of November.
0: Mm-hmm. and we're so going to get a, a weeks.
2: and you mentioned here we're getting a new dragon riding cosmetic so that's cool What what is it going to be do we know
0: uh i know it's for the windborn velocidrake i don't know what it looks like though
2: all right windborn velocidrake you get a possible new cosmetic item be ready for it uh and we mentioned this one although it's it's been running uh for like a week now as we're as we're recording this overwatch has got its new halloween terror out i think we mentioned it very briefly i think we just said oh then that's happening yeah and we just moved on. Um, but yeah, that's going now. It's been going since the 10th, and it will be going again till the 1st of, of November. Uh, and there's a ton of stuff there. Joe is the only one of us who currently plays Overwatch, however, so we're going to kind of turn and look at Joe and be like, Joe?
3: Uh, so the Halloween Terror thing is uh, it's an interesting event, at least as far as what I've played of it. It's the uh, Assault Sanctuary type thing. It's a Horde survival thing where you are in like uh Leoric's castle essentially and you're playing one of eight characters. Uh there's two tank options, two four DPS options, and two heal options. Um and you just have to survive waves of uh zombie hordes and they're zombie um omnics, right? Just like you've seen with the uh junkenstein's Zomniks. I think that's actually what they're called. Um, Like you've seen with Junkenstein's uh, Revenge and and things like that. Uh, But the interesting thing is that all of the uh, bosses are themed and skinned after Diablo villains just like the heroes Mm -hmm. are skinned after Diablo heroes. Like if you're playing Farrah, the skin for Farrah is Tyrael. Um or no i think it's Imperius. excuse me um the voiceover work is imperious voice actor um it's it's really cool stuff um remember the hamster the 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 wrecking ball guy the yeah, that hero yeah.
0: he's asmadan how as- could Des- you forget
3: he's as- he's as- as- <laughs> that's perfect uh the thing that i don't understand and this is something that that it blew my mind when they introduced him because he jumps out of the top of it and he's got the Asmodan head and the, the mech looks like Asmodan's legs and everything like that. And he does his chittering like evil giggle and claps his hands. Why does the hamster have nipples? Blizzard Blizzard, <laughs> why?
2: Like I mean it's a mammal joke.
3: I just I'm just I'm just curious. Yeah, it do have
2: nipples, you know that
3: right? I'm I'm aware, but it's like they don't have to be that prominent. Come on. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, it's a lot of chaos. Uh, you get to upgrade your weapons as you go along. So like, just like in Diablo, you get legendary drops and those drops affect what your abilities do. So like I'll use fair as an example, maybe you fire multiple rockets instead of just one every time you, uh, you know, fire one off when you, Use your jet propulsion where you launch yourself into the air, it leaves a column of cleansing holy angel fire behind you. Uh, or when you use her, uh, the E where it like knocks everything around, it also then puts a targeting reticle on them that allows you to do like aim assist, very similar to like uh, Soldier 76s. It's a lot of fun, uh, surprisingly so. And my friends and I have been having a good time trying to uh, five star the event, which has not happened yet. It is. Very easy to die in that game. Very
2: easy. But a lot of them... I mean, they're swarming you with zombies. I mean, that kind of makes sense, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that makes sense. That
3: oh, be, that the bo- Roadhog is Butcher is one of the greatest things ever. Oh, my God. <laughs> because it's literally... It's, it's Roadhog, and it, it's just you hear the Butcher noise. You hear the Butcher laugh. And then all of a sudden, Roadhog's pulling you in with a hook. And they did something with his AI. He always goes to the healer. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, what? that's
0: definitely the butcher. <laughs> it's perfect.
3: It's perfect. Like, but I mean, it's a lot of fun. Like, I heard the the, ee, 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 like the, the horror movies sound like I was playing the healer. <laughs> the first one, I freaked out and then I got pulled halfway across the map and just deleted. <laughs> like the butcher just ate my face <laughs> as in as the
2: butcher should. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's I think that pretty much covers everything.
0: I mean, um, do we want to talk any more about the stuff in season of blood for Diablo? Because
2: there's I mean, just yeah, there's, there's so much. There's a lot of. Like, it. I don't feel like I can give people a tremendously complete understanding of it because this is all stuff that I haven't gotten to see yet. But yeah. I definitely should mention at least some of it. Uh, one of the things I want yeah. guys to understand is that they have this is not like this takes the the season of malignancy which was pretty compl- complex, way more complex this time. It is, it is without being as hard, hard to grasp, I don't think it's as hard to grasp. What do you think, Liz?
0: I mean, I, I do not yet, I have not played enough myself to really understand the uh, packed armor you're collecting and the how to get vampiric powers. I just haven't gotten a chance to really dig into that. So I it feels complex from my point of view, but there's just so much going on and I love that there's so much going on because it felt like nothing was going on last season.
2: Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with that. I, I didn't really, I, I tried, I mean, I did play quite a bit in this yeah. season, but I just I kept feeling like, okay, when does this start being fun? Like I'm, I really yeah, looking I, forward to this being fun guys.
0: I, I did finish uh, the season journey for season one, which uh, was a, a bit of a crazy manic rush at the end because it was like, okay, I need to find one more. Helltide Commander, and ah, I have like three more Helltides that are going to spawn before the end of the season. It was that kind of like last minute thing. So I, I played the season, but I mean, Diablo 4, I love it. I played hundreds of hours of it, but it it, it, it got some issues. There are yeah. a few tiny, itty bitty gigantic issues with the game.
2: Yeah, they're still working on getting seasons to work with Diablo 4 instead of trying to make them be the way they were in Diablo's 2 and 3.
0: Yeah, Uh, and also just the gameplay flow is kind of off because okay, I'm going to talk about season 1 before today when season 2 rolled out. Uh, I mean, one of the things was late game. Late game after your level 50 turned really quickly into this just horrible, tedious grind Mm -hmm. because because of the way it's scaled. So like, if you're doing content in the open world, that's like, oh, I'm going to finish out my side quest. I'm going to go do strongholds. I'm going to do normal dungeons to collect more aspects. Like you could do all of those things. And they got increasingly less rewarding as time passed because uh, monsters would only scale up to a certain level based on the world tier. So when you first got into the world tier, everything's higher level than you and you're getting tons of experience for killing it. But as you kept leveling up, you hit a point where things stopped scaling, and then you're fighting things that are five levels beneath you, and you aren't quite good enough to advance to the next world tier yet, and you're just getting no experience. And the only thing that kept scaling was nightmare dungeons. So if you wanted to level, you'd do nightmare dungeons until your eyes were bleeding because they were just, that was it. That was yeah. all the content you had at endgame.
2: They were the most convenient because it's not like with a world boss that's up maybe once a week. Hmm. I mean, I I love the world bosses. I think they are fun to do. Um but you get maybe one a week. Uh they just don't they don't spawn very often. Uh and once you've and, killed it once, that's pretty much it for that character.
0: But they have also they've increased the spawn time of world bosses. Yeah,
2: they've done that. For, I, for I season talking, 2. Yeah, I was talking about season.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and season 2 they've increased the spawn time of world bosses. They've increased When I'm saying increase, I mean decreased. They'll spawn more often. Legion events spawn more often. Uh, and the scaling thing I was just talking about is, is gone. Everything will keep scaling with you. So you are never stuck fighting things that are way low level and you're not getting any experience, which means you can keep leveling in the open world and like enjoying the world of sanctuary, which is vast and complex. And
2: yeah, it made the world. It makes the world quest type stuff that you're doing to, to be more rewarding because you, you can still get stuff to do while you're dead.
0: So, yeah. And, even while playing all of these hours, I have not done every side quest in the game. I haven't even found every side quest in the game. There are so many side quests, and like you can open your map and see how many you've you've done this many out of this many. And there are just so many I haven't done, have never seen. And uh, yeah.
2: I mean, the only was the only zone that I know I've done pretty much all of them is uh, not the not Novgorod, uh You know, the first one. Uh, Tractured peaks. Tractured peaks. Yeah, I've done pretty much all of them in Fractured Peaks. I think there's two I haven't done in Fractured mm-hmm. Peaks. But then you go like to um, glen or even more than Skazglen, um, the last couple, like Kedjistan and I want to call it Swampland so badly I can't remember the name of the Swampland.
0: <laughs> How is our
2: How yeah. Kawazar, I think I've got like 12 left that I haven't even found mm-hmm. yet. Kedjistan, because of when you get to Kedjistan, there is a ton of stuff you might not have done because you didn't do anything there. You you got there just in time to go to the he- to hell. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what you did. You used Kedjistan to get to hell. So yeah, lots of stuff. Like, I mean, Joe, Joe told me about one thing that you could go to the camp from Diablo three, remember yeah. the camp, mm-hmm. um, over, um, when you went to the first time to Kajistan, the, the, yeah. camp. You, you can go back there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's like all destroyed obviously, but you can, you can still go in there. You can even find like, there's a, a, an item that you can find that's a reference to, uh, I think it's Shen, Courteous Shen. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. It's just like out of the way and you're like, oh, oh wow. That place, like when you go to Alcarnus, which is now a stronghold Mm -hmm. um, and Alcarnus is a nightmare. It's like, oh my God, this place is exactly as bad as you'd think it would be. Um, (laughs) so yeah,
0: there is a lot
2: in the world of Diablo four. So,
0: and there are also these new blood harvest events in season two. And I should clarify the blood harvests are only in season. If you're playing the seasonal character on the seasonal realms, Mm-hmm. A lot of content they've added is on all realms. Even if you're playing eternal, if you're not bothering with the season. You just want to play your old characters. A lot of content is going there, but some, I mean, some content, the vampiric powers, the packed armor and the blood harvest events are there only for seasonal characters.
2: Yeah. But the blood I harvest thing is still an improvement because it's like, it takes the idea of the, you know, the malignant things where you go around in the world and look for them, but it makes it, like tie into the level you know you mentioned the scaling increases and so forth Mm -hmm. so it's very much more of a world event than the malignant stuff was
0: yeah and it's i mean it's kind of it's a little like hell tides too where it's this zone that's kind of taken over by these vampiric powers and where you could go and farm blood because of course they're vampires and also this is diablo so there's a lot of blood there's a lot of blood blood everywhere anyway (laughs) that you need to like collect to fuel your powers and uh you a be taking a speed
2: yourself halfway through
0: <laughs> but there's also a blood harvest that's around all the time like hell tides it's okay there's one hell tide and then it's over and you've got to wait for the next one there's always a blood harvest going on in one of the zones so you can always go and engage and do this and uh, collect delicious delicious blood i don't know um I, but yeah it seems a lot more interesting it seems like there's a lot more to do and also for that late game leveling thing that I really struggled with last season, there are these new end game bosses. There are five new end game bosses, including Duriel. Uh, you know, back from his like brief, quick Lincoln, you'll miss a cameo in the actual story campaign, we're going to be fighting kind of uber Duriel now. Uh, these end game bosses, which you can summon and kill, and they have a, a loot table that is all of these uniques. So you can, if you're looking for a certain unique, you can go and Farm that specific boss until you get it, instead of mm-hmm. counting on completely random luck. So that's gonna that's gonna help late game leveling too, and that's on non seasonal realms and seasonal realms. That's just yeah. everyone can do those now.
2: The new world bosses are there regardless.
0: Mm-hmm. All right.
2: Anything else before we move on? Uh,
0: there's just so much cool stuff. I think we've only like just scratched the surface, really, because they yeah. it was a nine gigabyte patch. It's, yeah, just, it's there's a lot. A there's a lot.
2: All right. Well, I do want to try to get at least one question in besides the one we answered earlier because it was really tied into what we were talking about. So um, if you've got a question for Blizzard Watch, uh, the podcast, you can send it to our email address, which is podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch. So we know it's for this show and not one of the it's like three and a half billion other shows we're doing. Um, and please, you know. Things that Joe says all the time, I'm going to repeat here. Like, please, if you have an a interesting pronunciation to your name and you want to hear it, please actually give it to us. Um, otherwise, also, I'm gonna, otherwise,
3: we're going to try and it's going to be real funny.
2: Yeah, we, we, we do our best. We do our best. But I'm sorry, there's three Ks in that. I don't know. Um, but also, you know, tell us which show you want to ask the question for. Because quite frankly, sometimes I feel kind of guilty when I steal one of Joe's, especially when it's blatantly not for the show, but I've stolen it. So you know. I'm used to it. He's used to it. I mean, quite frankly, I'm am a horrible person. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on. And we've already done that one. This one, I'm, this one's not one I can do much with. But you, you know, I think Liz at least will have good insights. So this one's from Nick Crussell. Uh Question for any podcast. I don't know how this would have worked on Lore Watch to be honest with you, Joe. I think that actually <laughs> helped you out here.
3: I have um, ideas. Sorry. How
2: about how about Ampi and his guilds downing uh, KT on hardcore servers? Even though six players died, including Ampi, That is an amazing feat to me. The amount of composure he had after dying and then continuing to lead perfectly was outstanding. How much dedication do you think it takes to make it that far in hardcore servers? I mean, downing every boss on the first attempt, probably multiple times, just blows my mind. I know you guys are raiders. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? PS Joe, I want to make an either red, white, or white, blue soldier slash ninja slash Knight, etc. MTG Commander deck. Any commander slash card slash theme suggestions? These two things aren't related, but you know, hey. You, <laughs> yeah, you want right. to answer, answer the theme, the card thing, and then Liz,
3: Let's you, do let's you, do Liz's first, and then I'll I'll right. do the thing later.
2: So, Liz, do you have anything to say about uh, Ampy's feed here?
0: It is wildly impressive to watch hardcore gamers doing this end game content. I mean. I was enjoying watching them do this, even you know, before there were hardcore servers to do it on. But even if there aren't hardcore servers, if if they're not on a hardcore server, the stakes are a little lower. I mean, kind of the social aspect of it is that you are playing a hardcore playstyle, and if you die, you die. And I've seen some amazing kills. Um, I mean, I remember doing these bosses when they were new, and it it didn't go that well.
2: Yeah, I, I did the idea that you, your first time on Kalthuzad and you managed to kill him with only six deaths. That's your impressive. first time. Yeah, that's Kelthuzad yeah. was a nightmare of a fight the very first time I, I did it. I,
3: I remember him being a nightmare even when we were farming him and trying for the undying achievement.
2: Oh yeah. He there and, was like I, I seriously I I skipped out on Kelthuzad so my guildmates could get undying.
3: And we like because I remember I the knew, first time we I did knew it. I would die. The first time we did it, we got all the way through all of the bosses, all of the trash without anybody dying. And I'm a healer at this point. Uh, so, you know, keep this in mind with the level of stress that I was dealing with at the time. Uh, we get to Kalthazad 1%. 1% Ooh. and somebody dies to a lag spike. Oh! Only death we had the entire night. So, I... Was so upset. We got it the, We got it after that, but oh my God, it was brutal. And that fight was stressful at level. Mm-hmm, there was yep. so much going on, so much to track, so many things to decurse and, and keep they track actually,
2: of. Very rarely do I say this about Naxx, but they actually made the KT fight more stressful on 10 slash 25 in Wrath than it was originally yes. in Vanilla.
3: Because it was designed and, for 40 players.
2: Yeah, I, I was I I rated it at level you know when we were all level sixty doing next yeah when I, I was a hundred then I didn't NAC. have any
3: stress man yeah, whatever yeah
2: <laughs> no I I did because I was tanking so it was pretty stressful yes yeah, but fair. then we to switch into the ten twenty five man one the idea of being able to the first time you walk in on that fight even though you know what the fight's gonna do the first time you walk in on it you get you get a kill with only six people dying like Dependent. that sounds like. Like literal sorcery to me. Like <laughs> well, actually, they were sacrificing goats out back before they started their raid.
0: But also in a hardcore, yeah, a hardcore server, it's like you know, you die, you're dead, you're not coming back. There's no battle reses. There's no reses at all. Mm-hmm. So just imagine being in the middle of that, being on Kel'Thuzad and one of your one of your guildmates dies,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: yeah, then there's, another
0: one dies, there's no and call. then another one dies. Yeah. With each with each person who dies, it's less likely that your character is walking away from this. And once you're, you've are you spent all of this time leveling, gearing up, getting good enough to conquer Kel'Thuzad, and that has to be the most stressful thing because you spent so much time doing this. Mm-hmm. And as you watch your guildmates die and they aren't going to come back, it's like everyone who goes down, you have less and less of a chance. And they pulled it off. They pulled it off. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah. That, the fact that, the fact that the guild, the, the raid leader died and managed to not be upset about the fact that his character is gone, or if he was upset that's about it, call, that's what we call task oriented. Yeah. That's a guy mm-hmm, who's like, mm-hmm. you know, I am here for my group. Uh, and that's, yeah, that is impressive. I yeah. and,
3: and I mean, and, and anybody who's led a raid uh, and like had to have continued to lead a raid after you're down and there are no reses available in retail. It can be quite mm-hmm. stressful because you have to. You're watching a bunch of stuff that you can't reposition yourself. You have to swing the camera around, do a whole bunch of odd things, and while Kalthazad is a contained-ish room, it's still so much going on. So not only to keep your composure after you die, but to be able to accurately and and calmly call and continue to give direction to make sure your guild pushes through and or your raid pushes through and finishes that fight. I am I am incredibly impressed.
2: Yeah, that is that is an achievement. So, yeah, straight up. Nothing but respect on that one. But I think that's basically our answer to that question. Yeah. And I think that's basically the podcast. Uh
3: Well, I'm going to do that. You, the, you can do one more? I was going to say I got I'm going to do the magic thing real quick from Nick if you know that right, if, if you don't it. mind. Go for it. Nick Thank you very much uh, for indulging me in one of my recent uh, re-recent obsessions. If you're going to do knights, I highly recommend you look at Esper colors, so white, blue, and black, in particular because the new commander that was released uh, with, with March of the Machines, Siddharth Jabari of Zulfir, is one of the v- only fair eminence commanders. It is a knight, and it fields, feeds really nicely into the knight typal. Um, a lot of fun, and because of those three colors, you have a wide variety of creatures and effects that you can have for, that span the entire history of Magic. You can do a lot of really cool stuff with it. As far as soldiers go, I'm going to let you in on a little super secret tech of mine, and that is run the Commander Harbin Vanguard Aviator. He is a blue-white soldier, only costs two, one blue, one white. Um, so he's really, really cheap to keep bringing back out on the field, but he's also a three, two flyer. And if you attack with five other soldiers, he gives them all plus one plus one and flying until end of turn. It is very, very good. No, he really is a dirt cheap card. I think he's like 17 cents. Um, and blue and white gives you access to a whole bunch of card draw, gives you a whole bunch of defensive, uh, cars that you can pull in there as well. Uh, you get access to things like the new, uh, the new virtue of loyalty and I forgot the virtue the blue virtue is. Um but you can also throw things like the Valiant Veterans, Sky Strike Officers, and make a really good, but also very, very budget-friendly deck that are just nothing but soldiers. And also you I would say the super secret tech for that that particular line is look back at Morrowind and look specifically at the Kithkin because they happen to all be soldiers except for one or two that are knights. So there you go. There's your there's your joe talking about magic for two minutes
2: (laughs) all right Um, i'm gonna throw one more in here since joe said somewhere that we have 15 minutes i'm sure we don't have that much left at this point but i'm gonna throw this one in anyway this one's from 6k from a couple weeks ago now but i've wanted to talk about it for a while uh qftq um it was for the Q, but i grabbed it for uh if everything in nature is slowly turning into a crab does that mean god is a crab Uh, What Six is talking about is carcinization, which is the general tendency among crustaceans to go from a tailed form similar to a lobster, like a crayfish or a lobster, to a form that does not have a tail or has an extremely reduced tail and otherwise looks like a crab. Um, There are true crabs, of course. We've kind of picked one group at arbitrary, but there are a lot of animals that look like crabs that are not particularly related to the true crabs. Um, for instance, Alaskan king crab—not a true—not
3: crab. actually a crab, yep.
2: Yeah, uh, no, it is actually a crab because crab is a form. And it, yes, it's, it's, it's complicated. Let's. My well, point there's is-
3: the uh, there's the two there's the two uh, major splits, right? There's the Brachyura and then Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: uh, I don't think it's actually Amura, but I can't. Right now, we're going to move on because the thing <laughs> the point I want to make is yes carcinization is a thing yes carcinization is cool but it is by far not the only example of convergent evolution that we have it's not even the most common the most common is a toss-up between things turning into sharks and things turning into crocodilians
3: the crocodilian one is really interesting
2: yeah crocodiles aren't the aren't the first beings to to basically look just like that they are in fact only the most recent group and modern crocodilians everything that is in the Crocodylomorpha, everything that is today joint you know considered a crocodilian where it's a crocodile a gharial or an alligator or a caiman or any of their relatives all of those animals are the most recent of their relatives to look like that the first ones were the phytosaurs and the phytosaurs go back 250 million years. And they aren't even like you can't even call them archosaurs because they actually branched out of reptiles, I mean out of of archosaurs before archosaurs actually existed. They're their own completely unique group. Sometimes they're called the sister taxa to the archosaurs, but they're not they're not even directly related to crocodiles the way some of the others are. They were first they were if you go and see a phytosaur skeleton, you will be hard pressed to tell it from a crocodile. Yeah. The only difference is that it has its its uh nostril holes are on the top of its head, so it's even slightly better adapted for being a crocodile than crocodiles are. Because crocodiles are actually still on their snout, just pointed up a little. The the spinosaurus literally just said no, nope, not even messing around with that, and put it on top of the head. Uh, but the Phytosaurs died out. And we think it's because of the Triassic. There was a Triassic extinction between the Triassic and the Jurassic, which is one of the reasons that dinosaurs ended up being as dominant. But that wasn't the last time something then went into the water and acted like a crocodile. We immediately got another group that did that right after the Triassic extinction. And then we see multiple groups that did that and then branched out even further, like Tantistropheus, which has the gigantic ridiculous neck. Its ancestors look a lot like crocodile. Um, meanwhile, the actual crocodiles that we have today, their ancestors were on land during all of this, and they were growing. They looked like dinosaurs. And when I say looked like dinosaurs, I mean if you look at the skull of a Aphaelasuchus, its skull looks like a T. Rex skull. You will it even has the temporal fenestra in the same place. Also, it's got the huge struts in the skull to, for for spacing.
3: Also, stay tuned for the next Lar Watch where we talk about how elves are convergent evolution.
2: Yeah, that that's we talk, we actually kind of did that one we time. absolutely. <laughs> but uh, my point is just that that's just one. That's one example. The crocodile one is just one example. The fact that there have been no less than nine saber-toothed predators. Yep. In the mammal line, and not only only two of them have been cats, actual cats. But there's also the marsupial cat, which also looks like a cat, Thylacostylis. It looks a lot like a cat, even though it's a marsupial. It's technically not a marsupial. It's a relative of marsupials, but, you know, trust me, just call it a marsupial. And that had the the teeth very much like that. We also have the Barbarophelids and the Nimrovids, both of which are so much like cats and are related to cats, but not cats. You have to actually look in their skulls to find the bones that tell you they're not cats. But even before them, there was a... There were, In addition to stuff like the, the, the saber-toothed deer, the muskoch, the musk deer, which is alive today, has big pointy sabers in its mouth. Um, the saber-toothed fish, we don't even know why that thing exists. or you know, Fish were just jumping in on it. Technically speaking, though, we are related to fish. Uh, all, all fish and us, all tetrapods, are related. So that thing's technically in the same line. But then you go back, and there's multiple saber-toothed proto-mammals. Um, the, the Gorgonopsids, the lyenops, the, uh, relative, um, there's multiple saber-toothed, you know, therapsids that are our, our ancestors and our cousins essentially. And that, that has just recurred over and over again. The fact that we don't have any living saber teeth right now is the weird part because as long as there's been a mammal line animal, there's usually a saber tooth around. Except even during the age of dinosaurs, where there was a saber-toothed animal that was a herbivore, but it was alive for for the big chunk of the Triassic, there's always been something. And it's weird that they're not here now, but at any moment, another one could show up, evolutionaries. Anyway, my point is just, yes, the crab thing's really cool. is really cool. Uh, World of Warcraft should definitely have more giant enemy crabs. I am totally on board with that. Hey, listen, we just
3: got a giant one that we can ride on. I'm content.
2: Yeah, but <laughs> doesn't it? They also have a really big knife. Yes. Yeah, that's cool too. By the way, more crabs with knives. Kn- knife but, crab is a thing. Yeah, but it's not a sign of nature favoring crabs, and we're not all turning into crabs. Lots of things are turning into completely different things. There's so many things that have turned into sharks. In fact, sharks turned into sharks after previous ancestors, previous animals that were related to sharks had the shark body plan first. Uh, go look up helicoprion. It's not a shark. It's a it's a relative of what I think today they'd be called hagfish. Mm-hmm. It's a hagfish relative that that had that body plan before sharks did. And then sharks were like that's a cool body plan. I'm going to jack that. And then ichthyosaurs were like that's a cool body plan. I'm going to jack that. And then crocodiles were like, "Oh, hey, I'm going to become a sea crocodile and I'm going to copy that body plan." And they did. And then mosasaurs were like, "You know that body plan would look really good on me." And so they stole it. And then dolphins. You know, everybody keeps stealing the shark body plan. So, yeah, there's lots of other body plans that get stolen. It's not just crabs, but the carcinization thing is really cool. And I did want to point that out. Anyway, I uh, had nothing to do with nothing, but here we are. You guys have anything to say before we wrap everything up?
0: Uh, I don't, I don't know what I could say to follow up on that. I, I just, I, I don't know.
3: I just think it's funny because I literally went down this rabbit hole, like independent of any questions coming in like a week ago.
0: Yeah,
2: the crab
3: thing is nice. It started with the crab thing, and it went all over the place. So,
2: Convergent evolution is a trip.
3: It um, really is. Now
2: we're, we're going to make Joe do the thing.
3: Indeed, because you know why? Blizzard Watch is made possible due to generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast. Better chance at having your question answered on our podcast at queue and an Ads Reset experience.
2: Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, thank you to Liz for being here with us. And of course, always providing. I mean, I don't want to say a sane outlook. It doesn't really (laughs) seem fair to you, but a different outlook. Um, and also thanks to all of you guys for, you know, listening and supporting us and occasionally even writing nice Reddit things saying that we're, we're nice. We like that. Thank you. Uh, We're all blushing and stuff. Uh, If you want to support the podcast, as Joe has said in the past, you can do so by a lot of reasons. And one of the ways you can do it is to go and like our stuff, uh, give the algorithm fodder to promote us to other people. This is a huge help to this site. And we really appreciate everybody who can go, whether it's Spotify or YouTube or wherever you, you get your podcasts and like them, like them, engage with them, comment on them, get them in front of other people. That's the way to do it. Uh, We appreciate that. And if you've got a question for the podcast, you can go to our Discord. Uh, We've got the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel, and we've got the Q and Podcast Questions channel for non-patrons, because we still love you guys. Uh, We just like to support our patrons and make sure we give them something back for the support they're giving us. Or you can go to our our email address, podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Send us an email. We we look there, too. And I guess, you know, at this point, guys, I want to say thank you very much. Uh, This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll be back next week.